Welcome to the Crown City Podcast. I'm your host, James DePietro. This is a show that explores the people and places that make our neighborhoods our home. On this episode, I have two special guests to talk about the state of the office market as we emerge from COVID and the work from home era. Linda Lee is an executive vice president at Kidder Matthews, the largest independent real estate firm on the West Coast with 21 offices across California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Arizona. After earning her degree in business administration from USC, Linda joined Grubbin Ellis and began her career as an office leasing and sales specialist. Following almost a decade with the Charles Dunn Company, she and her team moved to Kidder Matthews and brought with her a tremendous amount of market knowledge of the Tri-Cities, which makes up Pasadena, Glendale, and Burbank. Linda has been featured as a top 30 under 30 and top 40 under 40 in commercial real estate, was selected as an outstanding junior businesswoman of the year by the Women in Business Legislative Update and Awards, served as the chairperson of the Glendale Chamber of Commerce, and is currently a board member of the Greater Los Angeles Chapter of CCIM, or a certified commercial investment member, and on the Verdugo Housing Corporation. Scott Unger is a senior vice president at Kidder Matthews. After attending San Diego State University, go Aztecs, Scott worked at an executive search firm that specialized in commercial real estate prior to joining the Charles Dunn Company and partnering with Linda and their senior partner, Bill Boyd. Like Linda, Scott specializes in leasing, sales, and marketing of office properties and land development for property owners. He also advises clients on site selection and negotiation of leases on the occupier or tenant side. Scott also regularly contributes features to Business Life magazine, where he provides office market insight and analysis. In addition, he has also been involved with the Glendale Chamber of Commerce and was a founding council member of its Glendale Young Professionals group. I've known both Linda and Scott for a number of years, both professionally and personally. In full disclosure, while I work in the commercial real estate industry, I have not worked with either of them directly, so there's no bias here. I invited them both on the show because they are highly regarded in our field, and I believe that they have great insight into where the office market is now and where it's headed in the future. So without further delay, my conversation with Linda Lee and Scott Unger of Kidder Matthews. Linda and Scott, thank you both for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us. So the reason I wanted to have you on is first and foremost, and very selfishly, it was an excuse to see and talk to you because it's been a long time. And two, it feels like we're starting to emerge from a tunnel and you guys are the experts on the office market. And so I wanted to pick your brains and see what your thoughts are. So before we, we kind of dive into talking about market conditions and all that kind of stuff, I thought I would give you a chance to maybe introduce yourselves a little bit. So if you can maybe tell us a little bit about your background and why you decided to go into brokerage, I'd be really interested in that. So maybe Linda, we'll start with you. Sure. My name is Linda Lee and I am a commercial real estate broker working for Kidder Matthews here in uh, Pasadena, California. Been in the business for over 20 years. I grew up in Southern California and in the, in, in the South Bay actually, and uh, went to University of Southern California, where I received my Bachelor of Science degree um, in business administration. So uh, shortly after I graduated, I 
sought a position in commercial real estate. It, you know, was I heard about it through a friend, and uh, the rest is history. My first real job became a twenty-year, twenty-plus-year career for me, and I've been with it um, ever since. Working originally out of the Grevin Ellis. Uh, downtown Los Angeles office for nearly a decade, then moving on to the Charles Dunn Company, where we opened up an office in Glendale with my former mentor and now partner, Bill Boyd. And we were in the Glendale office for nearly a decade. And now we've been with Kidder Matthews in Pasadena for a little over two years. So, um, and that's where we are. I'll hand it over to Scott. So Scott Unger, also commercial real estate advisor here with Kidder Matthews. I was born and raised in Pasadena. I was born at Huntington Memorial Hospital. I live in Altadena. Uh, so I did not venture too far. Our office here is on Lake Avenue. So I'm a local. I didn't stray too far here. I got into commercial real estate brokerage uh, kind of by accident. I was doing a research position at an executive search firm out of college and did that for a couple of years. And the Great Recession happened. And a month after my wife and I got married, I got laid off. And I thought, well, this is great timing. She's starting law school. I'm out of a job. What do I do here? And the executive search firm that I worked at, we specialized just in the commercial real estate industry. So it was actually a really great introduction to all facets of commercial real estate from brokerage to property management to development to finance. And based on what I had seen at the search firm, I decided, okay, I'm going to go be a broker. So I started my licensing. And during this point in time in 2008, uh, most firms were cutting back, scaling back because of the recession. So it actually took me several months to, to get hired. And so I was hired on as an associate at Charles Dunn Company. I actually started my career in Studio City. And the long story short is about six months later, Bill and Linda. Uh, had a position open for a junior person on their team in Glendale. And being very familiar with the area, Glendale, Pasadena, that was the market that I wanted to work in. So I re-interviewed with them and they were gracious enough to uh, take me on. And it's been 12 years now, so we haven't looked back. So it's been a great, great partnership. Between the two of you, you have about maybe 40 years of experience combined, which I don't want to date anyone by doing that. But... <laughs> That's not so old. <laughs> How has the industry changed since you started out? And do you think it's gotten easier or it's gotten harder? I think in some ways it has gotten easier just simply through the use of technology that we're able to obtain more information at a click of our fingertips. Whereas when I started, I mean, it was still a lot of, I mean, technology was just coming up coming around, but we were still doing a lot of things with paper, with driving, with a Thomas Guide map, if anybody still remembers what that is. We didn't have all the technology that we have today to make a transaction as easy as possible. Um, So in some ways, it has gotten easier. Scott, do you feel any different? So in my 12 years, I've seen the acceleration of technology and the implementation of technology, no question about it. I can even think of, you know, me as a consumer, if I want to go stay somewhere and I'm looking at Airbnb, photos are at my fingertips, floor plans at my fingertips. And it seems like consumers are really looking more for that. So from a tenant demand perspective, the more information that you can put online and make it easy to find 
floor plans, photos, all that good stuff, it makes it easier to draw tenants in and secure their interest in, in a property. The other thing too is I'm thinking of, of tracking where we do a lot of agency leasing. So a lot of landlord representation of office buildings in Pasadena, Glendale, Burbank, and the San Gabriel Valley. And we still do use spreadsheets. Excel is still very prevalent, but there are online and cloud-based systems now for demand tracking where we can in real time update, uh, we just got an inquiry or we just had a tour or we just got a proposal and a landlord in New York uh, will see that as soon as we click a button and they will have up-to-date accurate information from the get-go. So kind of transitioning a little bit, you know, your team is involved with both office leasing and sales and you do represent clients on both sides of the transaction. You do uh, landlord representation, you do tenant representation. So kind of what is your sense of the market now and how are you advising your clients? I think it's still being played out. Um, We haven't seen the full ramifications yet. And I know we all see different articles that have come out over the past 13 months and we read numerous surveys. And, you know, it seemed like at the onset of the pandemic, people were reporting uh, the same productivity from home or increased productivity and Maybe there was a, a honeymoon phase. We're starting to see that come back to earth here, certainly over the past few months. There was a recent survey uh, that JLL put out where three out of four people want to come back to the office. So 75% want to come back. The way that that survey broke out is 25% wanted to work remotely full-time, 25% want to go back to the office full-time, and then there's 50% of respondents that want some sort of hybrid schedule. So maybe that's in the office three days a week, and then you're working remotely for the other period of the week. Again, that's still being played out, um, and we'll see what the next year or two brings for office demand. I think it's so hard to generalize these days, you know, because it's affected so many different uh, industries in different ways, right? You know, the essential services like, you know, logistics and and freight forwarding and shipping, I mean, those businesses have been busier than ever. Um, even their office staff have, has been busier than ever. And so they've never left the office environment. And then you get to the attorneys, the law firms that really are a majority of the tenancy or the t- type of tenancy in Pasadena. I mean, it's affected them in a different way where, you know, for what they, what they provide is, is service-based and, and it's not so difficult for them to have these Zoom meetings um, with their clients over internet, really. But um, I do see that recruiting is going to affect how this is all going to play out, right? Because pre-COVID, you know, companies were all focused on recruiting, recruiting, recruiting new, young, new talent and how they use office space and how they, their requirement, their demand for amenities has really been driven by recruiting, trying to attract the best talent possible from their competitors and providing an environment for them that would help them with that effort. So given COVID, um, I think that providing flexibility is going to be another tool that they're going to be able to, you know, they're going to need to provide in terms of uh, that recruiting effort. So, you know, having the flexibility, maybe working three days a week, like Scott said, but it's not going to take away, in my opinion, not going to take away the need for office space. If you have some, maybe a, a one to five or six person attorney office, and you're all seasoned attorneys that live in the foothills of Pasadena, you might not need an office space 
or a large office space permanently because you can maybe work from your home, maybe work out of a studio or a garage. But if you are a mid-sized to large firm and you want to attract young talent, you can't do it from working from your home. You have to have a centralized location and those amenities that you provided pre-COVID. It's really interesting. Both of you mentioned that there's so much information coming out and everyone's trying to read the tea leaves and figuring out kind of what direction the winds are blowing. And on one hand, even this morning, I saw that CMBS bonds tied to large office projects in the urban core, both on the East Coast and West Coast, earned AAA ratings. So there, there's a market for that. But then you, you hear stories of J.P. Morgan Chase noted that 10% of their employees might work from home permanently. And even Deutsche Bank said that office demand might fall you know, 10 to 31%. So you have these kind of really mixed signals. And that makes it incredibly challenging for office owners, but also incredibly challenging for office brokers like yourselves, trying to figure out how best to, to market properties, how best to represent your, your clients. So do you think that the work from home kind of movement has fundamentally changed office? And then kind of tied to that, do you think this has changed how we view office design? So we'll, we'll again, I think it's being played out in terms of how the work from home movement impacts office demand. But it'll be interesting to see um, from a design perspective, and I think this does relate to what you're saying about um, work from home impacting people coming back to the office or staying home, is for the past decade plus, the trend has been to go denser. So you're putting more bodies, more employees in a smaller amount of space in an open work environment. Post-pandemic, you know, we'll see where we're seeing, you know, you have to put up partitions on workstations and cubicles to make sure that there's privacy. So will we see a trend that actually goes the other way where you need more private offices, people have their own space, their own dedicated space, and does that help bring them back to the office to make them feel more comfortable that they have their own space? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Scott. I think it's just so difficult to generalize. Once again, it's going to be specific to that industry and specific to that actual firm, you know, because as you know, we, there's so many different types of personalities. Some people might be comfortable more than others, and some are going to demand having their own private interpersonal space. Uh, Scott mentioned the, the Great Recession, and I think during that time, we saw what's referred to as the flight to class. So it's the opportunity for tenants that were in B spaces to maybe move up to A spaces or C spaces to move up to B spaces because rents have declined. But I was looking at some Kidder Matthews data. Rental rates have actually remained steady and even increased about 4% in the greater Los Angeles area, which I was actually really surprised at. So with that in mind, you know, we've just concluded the first quarter of 2021. How do you see the rest of 2021 playing out? I'm going to chime in and say, I think that data was probably driven by the West side and the media. I mean, the perhaps the entertainment area. So I, I don't think that speaks for the rest of the county in any way. Um, so it's a bit skewed. No, very good point. So with that in mind, what are you seeing locally then in passing the, in the Tri-Cities area and in, in Burbank, Glendale? So Pasadena, we just got in the the quarterly numbers, and this is the fourth consecutive quarter for Pasadena where it has experienced negative absorption. So that means more office space coming online. There's more supply than there was. So four consecutive quarters of negative absorption. And actually, it's the fourth straight quarter as well of declining rental rates. 
So it hasn't been a, a huge number yet. We are seeing most ownerships stick to their quoted rents, and maybe there's a little bit of movement off that, but by and large, there has not been a reduction in quoted rental rates. What we're really seeing right now is an increase in concessions, so more rent abatement, more tenant improvement allowances, and the ability to convert some of those allowances toward additional credits toward the base rent to help buy down the average payment that you're making over that lease term. You know, there's been a lot of talk about urban versus suburban office properties. Kind of what have you been hearing from your clients in terms of, has there been an interest to move from maybe downtown Los Angeles or someplace like that to more suburban areas like Pasadena or Bur- well, Burbank's a little bit more urban, but Glendale or some of these other suburban markets? Yeah, anecdotally, there have been a few you know, firms located downtown where they're, they'll come out to Pasadena or Glendale and tour. It seems like they're standing pat for the most part. It is an interesting case to make because in Pasadena, Arcadia, La Cunada, some of these surrounding foothill communities, you do have a lot of the decision makers that live in these areas. But as Linda said, there's no trend that we can point to yet in terms of folks coming back out to the suburban market. We really haven't seen that much of a trend, type of trend much in the last six months or post-COVID. It's been pretty stagnant. There hasn't been much growth. I think Scott can speak to that about Pasadena, that we really haven't seen much growth coming from within. It's been sort of a changing of musical chairs, so to speak, and tenants finding trying to find more efficiency by merging or downsizing. But we really haven't seen that growth coming from within. And I think also because the, the activity hasn't been there. Uh, we haven't had the velocity that we had seen pre-COVID. It slowed down quite a, quite a bit. And there were little moments um, you know, last year where it ticked up, then it died down towards the end of the year. Then it ticked up again at the beginning of the year, mid-January and subsequently dissipated again and then reemerged. So we're kind of riding these little waves, but we haven't seen the velocity to make that kind of determination. Uh, we just It's just not there. So there's really hardly any data to support that might, any kind of migration movement from downtown to the suburban markets. I think your, your phrase musical chairs is a really good analogy. So you're seeing in place, in city moving, as opposed to someone actually coming from the outside coming into the market. So looking at your listings, which I always enjoy doing to seeing kind of what everyone's working on, your current listings are about 100,000 square feet, which is quite a bit. And if a tenant is looking to relocate as opposed to just staying in city, so kind of, kind of what we were talking about, you know, why would they be attracted to Pasadena versus like a Burbank or a Glendale? I mean, what kind of tenants are attracted more to Pasadena versus a Glendale? I think historically... The type of tenants that are attracted to the Tri-Cities in general are companies where the executive or the CEOs live in you know, the foothills of Pasadena or Glendale or Burbank. So it's sort of been uh, what is an easier commute for those executives. Also, in the past, it's also been an ac- about an access to labor, the labor markets. Where do they live? And is driving along the 210 easier for them? or the, uh, rather than going into downtown easier for them, where are they coming from? From the San Gabriel Valley, from Valencia, Santa Clarita, from the San Fernando Valley. Um, so you're looking at where your labor comes. And so that's that's sort of been two factors that have driven, I think, um, tenants coming into the Tri-Cities rather than downtown. Cost of occupancy. That's always 
In my opinion, one of the top three factors, cost of occupancy, the fact that um, we have more affordable space than in downtown. When you look at the total cost of occupancy, not necessarily the rate, uh, because our parking is also much more affordable than in downtown. That is three, four times our rate. And so and if the employers are paying for their tenants parking, or even if the I mean, employees parking, or even if the employees are paying for their own parking, it's, it's all a cost that's factored in altogether. So, you know, in my opinion, those three factors are what has typically driven migration in the past. I think just from a tenant-based perspective in Burbank, we're seeing, especially with the streaming wars, where you've got Disney, obviously, with a huge presence Netflix is now coming in. They signed a huge lease during COVID to come into Burbank. You have these firms that cluster in Burbank for synergy and also to poach talent from each other in these streaming wars. So it's just going to keep ratcheting up. In Glendale, you have more of a professional services. So a lot of law firms, a lot of insurance, a lot of accounting. Pasadena is similar there is a, a tech cluster in Pasadena, but it's not what it is in, say, you know, West LA. Do you think there's a segment that is growing in Pasadena? You mentioned kind of like the media in Burbank, and and you mentioned there's a t- kind of a tech cluster in Pasadena. Do you think that there's one area, whether it's law firms or financial services or professional services, that's growing in Pasadena? We've not seen that trend, and and the trend that we've seen recently is that firms are looking to get more efficient with their space. So there hasn't been yet that large firm that has come in and says, we're taking down a large block of space and we're planting our flag here. We've not seen that yet. Is there anything that you think Pasadena needs to do to make it more attractive for high-end office users versus Glendale and Burbank? And I always focus on the Tri-Cities because I know, one, you you both really focus on those areas. And two, I think Pasadena really competes with those two areas. You know, we don't compete necessarily with with downtown, but we do compete with Glendale. So I just want to kind of get your thoughts on what do you think the city needs to do or what industries you think we need to kind of build up to make our city a little bit more attractive? So from an amenity standpoint, Pasadena is well positioned. We've got great restaurants, great retail, great access. We've got the gold line. So public transit, we've checked that box. Something that we've seen, and this is not a a COVID issue, this is just an issue in general, is the permitting process. And uh, we could probably sound like a broken record saying this, but where it takes months to secure a permit to start tenant improvements, that can really impact a tenant's decision-making. And the fact that it might take months before they can even start two or three months of construction could dissuade them from relocating. Do you think Pasadena is unique in that? Or do you think that's a Southern California thing in general? It it used to be more unique where Pasadena has had that reputation of being slower, but we are seeing it more in the pandemic. It Yeah, Glendale is now slower as well. Burbank is slower as well. Monterey Park is slow. I think they're overwhelmed is what they are. I think they don't have, I think they're short staffed. And a lot of these projects are outsourced to other cities. Um, I know that some are sent to down to Orange County to have these plans reviewed. So I think they're short staffed. They need to add, you know, more employees, but that's, you know, up to the city's budget, I'm sure. So that's another whole nother topic. Um, But yeah, we definitely need to get a little bit more friendly to getting things done. We're seeing the Lincoln project come online, which will add a lot of office space. 
I think there's plans for a office building on uh, North Lake, just above Colorado. That was going to be mixed use where, so hotel component as well there, that the local ownership that also owns an office building at Lake in Colorado that is on the market for sale. So we'll see that kind of clouds things as to what will happen with that site that you're talking about. Oh, interesting. The question behind that was, with more office coming online, do you have any concerns about filling that space? Yeah, I mean, as we mentioned, we Pasadena has experienced four consecutive quarters of negative absorption. So for a project to come out of the ground today, it'll it'll be a challenge to lease that space, especially because of construction costs and, and these sorts of things they're going to need to achieve a rent that is probably 15 to 20% higher than any other building in the market. We haven't really seen a new spec development in how long. Um, I think the last one in the was the 207 Good in Glendale. And that was in... And the Playhouse in Pasadena. Right, and the Playhouse in Pasadena. I mean, and, but this, this, this project is monstrous. I, and we, we're not seeing the migration coming in and we're not seeing growth from within. Uh, and we've lost occupancy. So I don't know. I don't, I don't have a crystal ball, but I don't know how long it's going to be before they get that filled. It could be easily two, three, five years before that building is filled. I, I mean, we don't have the velocity. And where is that large tenant that, you know, that can take that amount of square footage? You used to be able to predict, okay, you're going to have six months of downtime. You're going to have nine months of downtime. And now that's thrown out the window. And like Linda said, nobody's crystal ball is very clear right now. So since your team is active on both the leasing and the, the sales side, you know, what are you currently working on that you're excited about if you can share any details? We are on the sales side. Uh, we're fortunate to represent uh, some owner users, and we're pursuing some some office buildings where we're representing a firm that is looking to purchase a new headquarters um, for its company. So that's an exciting piece. I think that's about all that we can share right now on that one. One of the things that I, I love about our business, and it, it doesn't make the most money, but gives me the most satisfaction is when we help a little nonprofit and make sure that their interest is looked out for and that we got them a, a good economic deal, but the lease terms line up um, with what they should be and they're not being taken advantage of, that, that's something that excites me. If you were advising a broker that was just getting started out in the profession, and we've talked a little bit about how the industry has changed and your profession's changed in the last 10, 20 years, what's the best advice that you would give them and why? So I... I also do some mentoring. Um, I belong to an organization called CCIM, Certified Commercial Investment Member Group here in Greater Los Angeles. So I um, am also mentoring uh, some new people into that's in the industry that's come into commercial real estate. So I gave this gentleman who's been in the business for six months, um, you know, he came in during COVID. I mean, I gave him this advice and and I'll share it, you know, with you all. There are three. One is I would advise him to take time to one develop and maintain a good CRM. You got to maintain that that information. You're going to just build it and um, over time, and um, you got to continue to maintain your relationships. Two, 
is invest at least, plan to invest at least three to five years in this business before you decide to switch. You know, because this is not an industry where, you know, you say, I'm just going to give it six months. I'm going to give it six months and see how it goes and see if I'm going to make it. Um, this is not that type of industry. This is an industry where you have to jump with both feet in and you have to get in it as if you're, this is it, as if there's no, nothing else out there for you, in my opinion. And if in three to five years, you're really still not making it, okay, maybe it's time to get out of it. <laughs> and the last thing is get involved in the community that you're serving. You know, get involved in, in uh, you know, like the cha- Glendale Chamber of Commerce. Get involved in some kind of organization where you are um, involved with the community. Where I mean, you have to give back. You, you, if you want to build a business in this community that you're you're working in, you, you have to find a way to give back to it, and you'll make some great relationships along the way. Well, I'm I'm very fortunate to have had the two best mentors in the business. So I'm a little biased to say if you can find folks who will take you under their wing and teach you what you need to know, uh, you'll be a step ahead of everybody. And I've been very fortunate to have that in my career. Very well said, especially in front of your boss. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No, no, <laughs> no. Scott's gonna Scott's gonna uh, outperform all of us here this year. I'm pretty sure of it. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. Bring it on. I wanted to thank you, Linda and Scott, for sharing your insights and being so generous with your time. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, great to be on. Thanks for having us. Again, my many thanks to Linda and Scott for coming on the show. If you're interested in learning more about the latest commercial real estate information and market analysis, please visit Kidder.com. I will provide a link to Linda and Scott's team profile in the episode description and notes on the show's website. And thank you for listening. If you're a business owner or community leader and want to share your story, please let me know as I'd love to learn more about you and have you on the show. If you have enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing so that you don't miss an episode. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Breaker, and several other platforms. And if you have a moment, please rate and review the show so that others can find it. I love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. You can reach me at james at thecrowncitypodcast.com and follow me on Instagram at crowncitypodcast. You've been listening to The Crown City Podcast. And until next time, please remember to stay well, stay positive, and as always, see you around town.